Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We'll get to Andrew Shear here momentarily and uh, update the file as to what he had to say with the folks at GM in Oshawa earlier today. I understand they were meeting. The other thing I've heard, of course, is the General Motors. I mean, uh, the whole automotive market has been flooded. There's an oversupply, and so uh, they're just basically retrenching because uh, they don't need the capacity. And that's why uh, Oshawa is one of the casualties of such, along with the four plants in the U.S. and the one out east in uh, the Far East, that is, in Korea. You know, it's funny because uh, there's actually a supply shortage when it comes to fish. In the U.K., a lot of fish and chip shops are hurting because of the supply shortages from an inordinately warmer summer. The warmer sea temperatures have really uh, caused haddock and cod produce to suffer. This I didn't know. I mean, I saw where the cold spell recently in New England caused all kinds of sea turtles to wash ashore. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. Big honking sea turtles because of the the cold weather. I mean, the snap we had last week while I was away, fortunately. But this is uh, the some, you know, the supply of uh, not only the fish but also the chips or the potatoes. They've had a potato blight or something in the UK too. So the fish and chip shops are reeling there. But you know, if you really want authenticity and still maintain a price point that's kind of more or less in line with fast food, but it's gourmet fare, High Street. In the Dawnwood Plaza Dawn Mills for fish and chips, you've got the halibut that's premium Alaskan wild caught, the haddock that's Nova Scotia wild caught, cod, that's an English classic. And this, again, uh, because the price change there in the UK, it has an impact to the folks at High Street in the Dawnwood Plaza Dawn Mills. It's all there on a delightful menu. Includes a kid's menu as well. And if you want authenticity, you'll get it in spades. They even make their own black pudding, haggis, tatty scones, house pickled onions, mushy peas, coleslaw, tartar sauce, everything. Right off the base from scratch is all in-house. And uh, they cut their own chips, also fillet the fish. That's what High Street's all about. You want great, great food, authentic, and uh, pedestrian prices. And a lot of free parking, too, in the Donwood Plaza. To eat in or take out, open Tuesdays to Saturdays, fully licensed. Just take the DVP to Lawrence Avenue. Go east of the DVP along Lawrence. One set of lights at that light turn north. On Underhill, you'll find High Street in the Donwood Plaza Don Mills. All right, I was talking about a domestic industry for automotive. If it comes to that, this is some somewhat speculative, but uh, maybe it's a Hail Mary pass, or does it make sense to you? Kevin, let's get you in here. Good afternoon. Yeah, pers- good afternoon. Personally, uh, I don't think it makes sense. I mean, like, if it did make sense, we'd already be doing it, and businesses wouldn't be leaving in the first place. But we have way too much barriers in this country, so you'd have to be mad for uh, a private enterprise to start coming in and invest when we have such a hostile government. That being said, the only way that we would be able to do it is if we start to nationalize 
And if we do that, it would never get past the planning stage. All we would have is meetings and we'd have committees on figuring out what to do. And if we did get something off the assembly line, it would look more like uh, the, the the Homer. You remember that Simpsons episode? <laughs> the Homer? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, what we, that's what we would end up with. Okay. Well, you know what? You're not the only one to suggest it would be some kind of a behemoth. Uh, this from Rick. He says, we could build the Trebant in Oshawa. That's the former East German automobile. Uh, is that still around? And from Scott, he writes, we should build tanks and army trucks. We need both and could sell them around the world. All right. Uh, and by the way, Gary writes, the Bricklin was styled by a Hollywood prop man. It was and is a total POS. <laughs> Horrible engineering, uh, engineering and manufacturing. Even taking one apart and putting it back together by hand, nothing fits. <laughs> Very good. I see I've got my automotive crowd with me this afternoon. Steve, go ahead. You're on the Oakley Show. Hi, John. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. I, uh, you know, I, um, I can't believe that anybody would have... Uh, the gall to think that uh, people outside of the auto industry can just, you know, parachute in and, and create uh, and save this plant. Uh, it's not about making cars. It's about selling cars. And you can make whatever car you want in that plant. If you can't sell it, and that means through a dealer network, which needs service, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a supply chain, maybe you can piggyback off of what's already there, but you can't make the brand or the, or the, product line that's there now that's gms so you got to retool the whole thing that means you got to plan a brand new model what model do you make do you make a uh, a pickup truck do you make an suv do you make a four-door sedan what i mean that sort of stuff makes it so complicated anyone who thinks that they can parachute in and 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 uh you know pick up where things were left off is is monumentally ignorant all right, except Jerry Diaz was talking about uh, the flexibility of the line in Oshawa, the lines that could uh, just shape shift and build, you know, whether it's an SUV, a truck, all of the things that you cited. I don't know how realistic or practical that is. Maybe they are uh, geared towards that kind of flexibility. Uh, others have submitted that Magna, Linamar, these big OEMs, uh, they have the wherewithal to pull this off. I don't know, it sounds fanciful to me, and I'm also scared by the fact or the nature that government would be somehow involved, and I'm not sure that would end well. Uh, Nationalizing an industry like that, it seems, as a competitive one, uh, very difficult to do, and there are too many moving parts. But I just set it up for your consideration because some people are actually talking along those lines. However, uh, let's find out the latest as to uh, GM and their sentiments here, Andrew Shear is the leader of the official opposition, and uh, he was talking to Washua earlier today, as I understand it. Mr. Shear, good to have you back on the Oakley Show. It's always great to be on, John. Thanks very much. Yeah, so tell me, uh, were you in touch with the folks at GM earlier today? I was. I actually went out there pretty early this morning to chat with some of the workers who are coming in to start their shift at 6 o'clock. I wanted to show uh, my support for them, the support of our of our party, uh, find out from them, you know, what they had been hearing, what their immediate concerns were, and just to send the message that uh, that we're going to keep fighting to do everything we can uh, to keep these jobs here in Canada. Well, what is it that the federal government could do? I mean, or provincial government? Uh, should you ever be the leader uh, in the land? And I mean, it could be a year out. Uh, what practically and reasonably could you do? Well, that's what everyone's minds turn to. You know, immediately they want to know what what can be done. Uh, So that's why I took the initiative to go out there. I had a meeting with management at uh, the plant, and then I had a meeting with representatives of of the union to kind of get both sides of 
of what what, what the challenges are. Uh, I believe what's going to happen is uh, as the auto sector goes in through this this change, where they're moving away from uh, sedans and and traditional types of vehicles that consumers have uh, been moving away from into you know the, the larger vehicles, more fuel efficient vehicles, and even some of the electric vehicles that are, are coming down the line. Uh, that Canada is going to have to fight very hard to get those new product lines made here. And one of the things that, uh, that my message was that uh, although it is true that there are no uh, units to be allocated at this time, when GM figures out what it is going to build, they're going to build it somewhere. And uh, I, we, we need to do everything we can to, to make sure that that's in Oshawa, that's in Ontario, that's in Canada. Uh, there are so many jobs that are uh, dependent on this assembly plant that we can't afford just to shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's, that's that then. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, the electricity bill in Texas for uh, an assembly plant of a similar size is 75% cheaper than the assembly plant in Ottawa, thanks to Kathleen Wynne's energy pro- uh, policies. Uh, the carbon tax is going to add another cost to production lines. So when it comes time for different assembly plants to, to pitch, to bid for those product lines, we need to make sure that Canada is the most competitive place possible so we can keep those jobs here. All right, and let's pursue that then. Uh, how would you affect a competitive advantage or an industrial strategy that reflects that? Well, that's what the meetings were all about. You know, I, I don't believe that uh, just, you know, uh, we, we want to g- get away from just immediately going to uh, government subsidies, government bailouts. That's, that was something that was done uh, a few years ago while the entire sector was going through a systemic shock that affected all the uh, the manufacturers. It wasn't just a one-off for one company. Uh, I've, I had a great meeting with, with officials today on both sides, both management and, and, and union. And I think that there are some, some, some leverage that the government could have. And there's some policies that we could make that would make Canada a better place to invest and keep jobs, not just for the auto sector, uh, but for every industry. And, you know, I, I did mention the carbon tax. I think it bears repeating. When when you're adding uh, 3 to 5% cost right off the top, and an auto manufacturer is looking at, at Ontario, it's looking at Michigan, Ohio, and Mexico, uh, this all factors into it. So what I'm saying is right now we have a government that's taxing businesses out of uh, existence, and immediately the conversation turns to subsidizing it. Well, I'd say why let's let's skip both those steps. Keep our taxes low. Keep Canada the type of place that these companies want to stay anyway, and we could give our workers a fighting chance to keep this product line here. All right. And so, more specifically, then uh, we've got lower corporate taxes. I guess you're suggesting that uh, how hydro. Uh, I guess that's a provincial consideration. But would you work in concert with the Ford government to ensure that hydro rates are low, or, or there's an industrial rate that's lessened? Uh, you know, I, I'm happy to work with my provincial counterparts in this. And, you know, I have to say uh, Doug Ford's doing a, a great job to un, undoing a lot of the disastrous policies of Kathleen Wynne's government. It's, it's directly because of, of measures that, that Kathleen Wynne brought in with the disastrous, scandalous contracts, uh, the, uh, her cap-and-trade model that raised the cost of these things. You can't have a business that uses a lot of electricity uh, putting different pieces of cars together, competing against uh, Ohio and Michigan and, and Mexico, paying, you know, uh, almost double the cost of Electricity. And now federally, when we're talking about uh, carbon taxation going on top of that, that's just one more reason to put dollars elsewhere. And, you know, I have to, I have to say, you know, we had a, a budget this spring, uh, well after Donald Trump made big moves on uh, regulation and regulatory reform and, and taxation measures. And it took this Liberal government, you know, 10 months to react to that, nine months to come up with anything uh, in comparison. So while all the boardroom tables are, are around the world were saying, 
you know, uh, where are we going to put our money? Uh, Canada was taking a wait and see approach. And well, we've, we've waited and now we're seeing jobs going to other countries. Again, Andrew Shearer is with us, leader of the federal opposition. Just to be clear, no more corporate subsidies then? You're not in favor of any of that? You know, I don't believe it's necessary. I don't. I don't think we. Uh, there are lots of policy options that we could be looking at. We could be looking at uh, incentives for for capital investment that, on the whole, uh, don't don't represent a subsidy. Where we could we could be talking about uh, ensuring that that our taxation models are are uh, aggressive and, and 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 put us in the same standing as other countries. And we can we should be looking at ways to reduce overhead. So you know, this is a liberal government that has raised payroll taxes. It has brought in regulatory ref, uh, changes that raise the cost of manufacturing, and this new carbon tax is sending yet another signal uh, that Canada is not a very good place to invest right now under Justin Trudeau. Well, Donald Trump was signaling he wasn't too happy as well because in a couple of vital states to him, Ohio and Michigan, two plants are closing there. Uh, Actually, three if you count Detroit as well. So uh, is there some kind of prospect of working in concert with uh, Donald Trump to get the attention of General Motors, uh, you know, as a first salvo, like just to get them to come and recognize the impact of this? I mean, would you work in concert with him? Yeah, and well, I, I would hope I would hope that this government would be uh, at the very least fighting as hard as the U.S. president is. I mean, not not, not everything Donald Trump does is something that, that we want to emulate here. But for heaven's sake, when you've got uh, 2,400 workers facing the end of their 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 careers, and you've got all the spinoff jobs uh, related to that, I don't know why Justin Trudeau's immediate conversation went to expanded EI for those getting laid off. I, I, you know, I think I think we needed to have, uh, and we, it's not too late. I hope Justin Trudeau gets the message that there. There are other tools at the government's disposal. You know, the, the, there are loans that are on the books in the auto sector. It's not clear the government hasn't been transparent as to how much of that has uh, gone to GM. Uh, do they have any uh, parameters to do that? We just went through uh, a major renegotiation of NAFTA, and the auto sector was a big part of that. Uh, do they ha- are they exploring all these types of options to uh, put put leverage on GM to respect the contribution that Canadian workers and the Canadian government has made to that company? Uh, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's unreasonable uh, in these early days to, to 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 not be giving up the fight. I, I that's that was my message to the workers this morning. It's my message to Justin Trudeau. Yeah, it's uh, equally not unreasonable to expect that maybe the electric or autonomous vehicle that GM is touting as the wave of the future be built right here in Oshawa as well. And that's my message, really. You know, this is a plant that has gone through several repurposing where they've switched uh, you know, vehicles in the past. They've had significant investments from GM. Uh, they've got a state-of-the-art wind tunnel that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Uh, and what I'm saying is we need to give those workers a fighting chance that when when GM says, okay, this is the vehicle we're now going to be building, that those workers at, at Oshawa who have won awards for efficiency and productivity can say, well, build that here. Give us a chance to, to pitch, to, to, to put a bid in, to have those built here. Uh, we, as, as a government, as a government of Canada, can put them in the best possible position to win that argument if we make Canada a place where investors want to put their money into instead of take it out. And my fear is with Justin Trudeau, we've seen it, we have seen it in the energy sector, and now we're seeing it in manufacturing where uh, people are voting with their investment dollars and they're making the decision that with all the new taxes, with all the new regulations, with the, the spirit of we can't get anything done in this country, uh, they're pulling out. And that's unfortunate. And a conservative government would change that. I saw Navdeep Baines, who was uh, literally reeling in the House of Commons during question period. I mean, do we have an effective industrial strategy in this country? I think this liberal government strategy is always just to to throw money at things. It makes for very 
uh, expensive government uh, without getting the results for Canadians. So, you know, here's a government that's ra- literally raising taxes every way it collects it. Uh, and, uh, and then their answer for when there's negative impacts of that in the economy is to say, but don't worry, we're spending so much money uh, this way and that way. And I think we'd be better off if we had a, a government that just said, we're going to, we're not going to, we're not going to have the government in the business of trying to pick winners or losers or try to predict what car people are going to try to drive in four or five or 10 years. But we are going to make Canada the type of place that investors are trying to fight to put their money into. That's the best thing we can do for long-term job growth. And finally, I got to ask, uh, there's an investor that you've taken on as a consultant, Kevin O'Leary, uh, one time potential leader for the party. Uh, of course, uh, you now are such, uh, what's the thinking there? I mean, what role will he play? Well, you know, uh, Kevin and I got to know each other during the leadership race. He's obviously got a lot of uh, experience in, in, in business, and he's got a lot of uh, uh, ideas that he would like to see uh, put forward. Uh, but really, you know, he, his, uh, he's got a great relationship with a lot of uh, university campuses across the country. And so he said uh, to me, look, let's, uh, let's go talk to some young people, some of the young people that are in various uh, faculties that have, uh, have, have followed him before because of his experience and, and the types of speeches he gives. And so it's just, uh, a, a, you know, he's, he's trying to help out. He wants to get rid of Justin Trudeau, too, because he sees it around the world. He, he, he travels a lot. He'll tell you. Um, he goes to other countries. And right now, nobody's looking at investing in Canada because uh, they just don't have confidence that things can get built. The government bought a pipeline, can't get it built. The taxes are going up. The returns aren't there. And this government has done nothing to keep pace with what other countries, not just the United States, but other countries are doing to, uh, to, to fight to get those investment dollars and the jobs that flow with it. All right. Uh, really good to talk to you, as always. I appreciate your time and look forward to doing it again real soon, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. You got it. Andrew Shear is a leader of the official opposition on this matter of General Motors and other such. Well, thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.